All right, hello world. Welcome back to Golf Subpar. Colt Nost, Drew Stoltz. What a week in golf it was. Sleaze, we pride ourselves on our fan duel picks. We've been on a heater in golf lately. And my God, I thought we had another one with Russell Henley. But the Masters champ, Hideki Matsuyama, swooped in and beat him in a playoff. I apologize to everyone out there. I thought we had another one. I'm a big fan of live betting, as you know. I like to feel <laughs> the game out. I like to get a taste for the mo and how things are going. Thank God I did not live bet at the turn yesterday because mm, I would have been everything. willing to wager a substantial amount that Henley was going to bring that thing home. The way he closed the front nine, birdie, birdie, eagle, goes five up. And at that point, it's kind of like, just don't shoot yourself in the foot and everything will be fine, barring Hideki going crazy on the back nine. Well, he did a little bit of that. And I thought, looking back on it at the end of the day, the only bad shot I can really look to that Henley hit was on 11. And the two-stroke swing on 11 where he makes bogey, Hideki makes birdie. Especially the wedge he did hit on 10 where he laid up off the tee, hit a very conservative wedge. And then, all right, it's fine, dude. You got a five-shot lead. That's what you're going to do. The I next hole, I expected it to be 30 feet right, right front, anywhere but left of the hole I thought it was going. And that was where it all of a sudden went from five to two really quick. I disagree with you about the conservative shot on 10 just because of how he was rolling throughout the day. He was hitting unbelievable iron shots he was so dialed if you look at those last four holes of the front nine he hit it to two feet three feet eight feet three feet for eagle stone it was like he was just on cruise control and there's another chance right there you're five up with nine to play hideki drives it down in front of the green let's keep the pedal on let's get this thing to six with eight to play and this thing is night night and he went a little conservative and you could see once he made the bogey on 11 when he hit it in the one spot he couldn't hit it i was really surprised by that i agree with you you could see the wheels started turning a little bit. Things were starting to be like, oh, boy, this could I mean, actually two happen. Is we a went from five to game. two in a blink of an eye. And then it was game on. And, man, you're, you're right. He didn't hit too many bad shots coming in. He missed it in the proper spot. He hit the bad tee shot on 14. Wasn't able to hit the green but made par. Same thing on 13. But, you know, Hideki makes it from outside of him on 15, which was a huge – got him within one there. And then Russell Henley hits – they both on 16 hit beautiful putts that – they both, both good shots, both good putts. Yeah. Yeah. And then 18, I mean, Hideki hits the smash tee shot, hits it in the middle of the green, two-putt birdie. And, I mean, Russell Henley, he thought he made that one for the win. I mean, so that did was I. 10 feet straight uphill, just needed an ounce of more speed, and it goes in. Tough break. And then, listen, Russell Henley just struggles with that tee shot. He made – he played it five times. He, he made one eagle and all the rest par. I mean, I guess you can give him six. In the playoff, which it didn't matter after. Yeah, he's trying to after, hold the wedge. Yeah, after Hideki hit the sh shot of the year to this point, the three wood from 277. But just something about that tee shot didn't set up well for Russell Henley. It doesn't like to really draw it, but at the, at the end, Hideki Matsuyama shoots 63 63 on the weekend. Yeah, it looks worse because you look, I mean, shoot, Russell Henley shoots 65 on Sunday with a two shot lead and you don't win the golf tournament. It's like not a, it's not a choke at all, you know, but if he had, if he had, not shot 29 on the front nine, yeah. we're singing a totally different song here today. But after that 11th hole, I thought, he more or less did what he, you know, he's going to play more conservative. He's got a big lead going into that back nine, but he hit shots at the fat side of the green, gave himself a lot of like 20, 20, not the looks he was getting on the front nine, clearly, but makeable putts, rolled, made some good putts up there. Didn't, there's not one swing other than 11 you can look back and be like, that was bad. It was just a gradual like oozing and Hideki's playing, you know, he's chasing, he's going to play aggressive, he's going to put the pedal down. Henley's trying to hold on and, and take the thing home. It's just it's crazy what, um, you know, the, just the change in mentality. Because, like, I'm 10. Like you said, that wedge, what do you have, 120? I mean, he's yeah. been stoning those all week. He plays conservative. You never would see that on a Thursday. But it's hard for me to blame. If he would have aimed right at that flag and missed it right, short side of him made a bogey or something, we'd be like, what are you doing, dude? Play that thing 25 feet left of the hole, and you got a five-shot lead. So 
It's one of those things. It's hard to close yeah. on the BJ Tour, especially when you got Hideki coming down the stretch. And that three-wood on in the playoff, I mean, just disgusting. Beautiful three-wood. Disgusting yeah. three-wood. That was special. But, hey, that's his eighth PGA Tour win. Ties K.J. Choi for most by an Asian-born player. Listen, this guy, he's going to rewrite all the record books for Asian-born players on the PGA Tour. He's just an absolute terror. I mean, if you look, he was number one in putting. Yep. Heading into the week, he was 205 for the season. I don't know how many guys there are, but there's not many below 205. And he turns it around, figured something out, had a terrible putting week at Kapalua, comes out best in the field putting last week. Three wins in his last 17 events, and he's 205 in putting. Oh, he doesn't man. putt well all the time, but when he does putt good, he putts really good. And when he does that, he wins because he hits yeah. so many good shots. I mean, there was more one-handed follow-throughs, like standard Hideki, that you think you're expecting, like, oh, it's in the bunker. Oh, it's over the green when it lands 12 feet from the hole, pin high. Just like his ball striking is on a different different level. So when he putts it, he's a beast. He's a yeah. force to be reckoned with. But um, the Georgia Bulldogs showed up this week. We were talking about, you know, they're coming off the big natty. Do you short them because they're all happy and they're, you know, partying and having a good time? Or do they all have a week? Ten of them made the weekend. Ten for ten. Ten for ten. The fact that there's ten of them on exactly. tour. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, and then all ten of them in the same field make the cut. Kevin Kisner, a little tie for third. Been playing great since he came on subpar. Guys, it's no, no listen, coincidence. It's very, very simple. You want to turn your shit around, you come on golf subpar. Park it right here. Uh, his quote about the Ryder Cup not getting picked and the politics thing, that kind of took off a bit. There was a little golf channel. Brandel talked about it. They talked about it on the show there. So that made a little pub. He used that, and now he's uh, a lot richer than he was when he flew down to Hawaii. Yes. Played great. Made over 700000 in two weeks. Not good, too shabby. Good session. Send us our 10%, kids. We'll that's, be waiting on it. That's the standard going rate. It is. But it the Sony wasn't the only golf this week. I took a little trip up to Shadow Creek. Mm. Uh, you know, different week, but same story. I own Monty Montgomery, Sleaze. How's the back? His, How's his injury? What? Which one? His back, his shoulder? He doesn't Couldn't know play the twin is. fin again, you know, because his back, nagging back problems, things like that. You got to see Taylor in action, too. Taylor, he uh, he got me a little, but just barely. If you net out the Montgomery family, I came out well ahead. Okay, so Taylor beat you by a good margin, and you destroyed no, Monty. No, he beat me by just a little bit. But he did shoot a little 30 on the front nine at Shadow Creek. Taylor did. He's good. And then he followed it up with 84 down the first round there in uh, the Bahamas. Saw that. Give those guys a pass a lot of the time at the Bahamas because it blows 75 miles per hour. And it's just a it's a complete shit show down there a lot of the time. 84, though, I would expect a little yeah. bit better from TM. He'll be all right, though. But, I'm not worried about like TM. Like I said, I still own Montreal Montgomery. And I'm going to give a lot of the success to my new Callaway driver, sleeve. Of course. The Callaway Rogue ST. This new driver is the company's fastest, most stable driver ever with industry-leading innovations that create a breakthrough in performance. Dude, I was hitting this place thing in places at Shadow Creek I've never seen before. Monty was like, God damn, you're hitting it far. I'm like, dude, it's the new Callaway Rogue ST. ST, bro. You got to get it. All new tungsten speed cartridges play specific weight up to 26 grams, low and deep in the head for increased speed, stability, and high MOI. They are the leader in artificial intelligence. They have lowered spin and increased forgiveness in their face optimization formula. Rogue was the most played driver at the Century Tournament of Champions this year. To find out more, be sure to visit CallawayGolf.com slash Rogue Drivers. There's four different models, Sleaze. Okay. we got to figure out which one we're going to put you in. Okay? I need toe forgiveness that also hits <laughs> okay. bombs. Well, I believe that's the Rogue ST Max because it's Callaway's best combination of distance and forgiveness. Fits the majority of players. Sounds I'm like you. I'm in the majority. They got the Rogue ST Max D, dedicated draw model for players who need the most shot shape correction. Then there's the Rogue ST Max LS, stronger trajectory, lower spin, and more neutral ball flight. Maybe that's you. That was you in your prime. 
Yeah, that was that was 2014 sleeves. That's me. And for me, I go with the Rogue ST Triple Diamond LS, a compact, low spin head for better players. I'm saying you're a great player, Monty. You don't you can't handle that one. Triple Diamond LS, and you're using artificial intelligence. I mean, if you ain't using this stuff, you're in the Stone Ages. So once again, go to CallawayGolf.com/slash/RogueDrivers. Another man who could probably use a little more distance. Our guest this week, the great John McGinnis. We need the illegal super titanium Vaseline <laughs> on the face ST super triple max for uh, my guy, John McGinnis. What a dude, though. I mean, this is a fun one. We work with him on PJ Tour Radio. If you know him, you love him. If you don't know him, you're about to love him. I mean, is there a, he's like Santa Claus when he shows up, dude. It just makes everyone just gets happy to see him. He walks in a room. Everyone gets happier. They smile. You want to sit next to him, hear the stories, hear all the bullshit. He's one of the best. He's got a great, great laugh, a very gargly voice. He's he's had some there's some miles on McGinn and they aren't highway miles these are off road X Games miles. So he's one of the most beautiful things about this man is he he comes in he's so on brand right so he loves red wine so I bring a bottle of wine from home well I forgot an opener <laughs> no problem for Mister McGinnis <laughs> what does he do takes one of our subpar divot tools opens her right on up got a little bit on his shirt so we got him a fresh hoodie but. The man can do it all. He went with the vet move, the MacGyver move. If you don't have a bottle opener, he pushed the cork down into the bottle, which a lot of purists out there, you know, would say that maybe not the way to do it. McGinnis doesn't care. No, I matter. thought he was ready to bite off the top of the bottle to get to that <laughs> wine. Dude, there was no way that wine wasn't being drunk while he was on property. Uh-uh. He was going to do anything to get to that. Well, let's don't spoil it. We got to get to it. This is, this is going to be up there with some of our favorite episodes, I believe. Here he is, John McGinnis on Golf Subpar. Suffice it to say... I think we have one of the most well-liked individuals in the game of golf with us here today. Five-year tour pro before finding his calling, I would say, as a PJ Tour radio host and golf broadcaster, the great John McGinnis in the house. Let's get amongst it. Yeah. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) What a natural. I'm ready. I'm ready. I mean, I'm mad that you guys thought of that and I didn't, but let's get amongst it. You, you're you about the brand, though. You might have been getting you amongst are. it before anybody else was amongst it. As we saw from the way you opened this wine bottle, for the audio listeners, the cork is floating yes. because we didn't have a wine opener. And I you mean, have a new you, genius. Just, you guys are at least halfway home in the hospitality area. <laughs> uh, to be fair, you're right. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. You're right. We are. You got a new sweatshirt plan. out of the deal? I got a new sweatshirt out of the deal for those. I mean, and and it's it's perfect. Got, yeah. Yes. I, I believe that my partner on the radio is going to be really jealous that I got the sweatshirt. We could probably get him one. We're going to get when he dang, comes dang, When he comes on, on, he'll get some, some swag. Yeah. All right. And he'll tighten this ship up, too. I mean, he is a radio he'll, broadcast professional. We need one on this show. We got we no did. captain. You know, we it's did. just... Like y'all said, rudderless ship. Yeah. Nobody's steering. That's okay, though. Yeah, it's all right. We like to break these interviews down, though, in, in certain sections. And so we normally do, like, the short stuff first. So we're going to talk about your golf. Okay. But <laughs> just want to throw that out there. Let you, you know. And look, I, I, will, I can sum it up this way. Uh, at the Players' Championship this past year, on Wednesday morning, I went and played Pablo Creek. Who was at Pablo Creek every morning but former commissioner of the PGA Tour, Tim Fincham? And I said hello to Tim because I did fly the tour long enough for him to pretend to remember me. And I, I thanked him for the retirement program and explained to him that I am quite possibly the worst player <laughs> fully vested in the PGA Tour's <laughs> retirement program. And he said, well, John, nobody else is laying claim to that. Yeah. So, so we'll let you have it. So there you go. I am the worst player in their retirement program. At least he didn't say, who the shit are you? Yeah, right. You know? Exactly. It could have been yeah. worse. I got friends that would say that too. I will say, though, I was going over some of your stuff the other night. 
and you have possibly one of my greatest, my favorite quotes I've ever heard mm. because I can relate to it. And I want you to explain to the listeners at home. You said, quote, throughout my career, I knew that if I just got a little better or a little worse, that my life would have a better chance of making sense. Right. <laughs> and I love that because I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, living in that area, uh, you know, at 125 on the money list, that's just a nerve wracking place to be. And I did. I got worse, fortunately. Actually, I'm not so sure I got worse. It's just that everybody around me got better. <laughs> um, the, the level of play on the tour from 2000 to 2010 was, I think, the technological explosion, but also the, the just the sheer golf explosion. You know, Tiger had been around long enough at that point that people started working out. The, the athletes got better. The balls got better. The drivers got better. Everybody got better. Somehow I missed the boat. I, 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 missed, hung in I, I, I just hung around. But, um, yeah, I, I feel like when I, when I was able – and, look, golfers are the worst at retiring. Congratulations to you. You were very good at it. You stepped away from the game, <laughs> and, you, and you stayed away. And, and I did the same thing. Most of us, you know, feel that calling. Oh, I've got to go back. You know, I can play again. Uh, I believe you have Corn Ferry Tour status uh, I do. next year. Um, and I'm immediately thinking about calling them and being like, I, there's no chance I'm playing. No, we're going to dial that back up. We're going uh, to have <laughs> my horse ready to run, dude. I'm going to feed him some apples. I, I've, I've felt like uh, a big weight was lifted off my shoulders uh -huh. when I stopped playing. Yeah, I agree with you. But That's why it's a great quote, and I've never heard anybody say it that way. <coughs> it's always like, oh, if I could have just had this or that go my way. And it's like, no, if I could have actually got a little shittier. Yeah, <laughs> you can always justify continue. You can always justify continuing, and it's like I'm 99 stories of the of a hundred story building. I'm right there. I just need to go up one more. Right. But at the same time, you're not getting there. But you can. If I start over and stop playing, I start at floor zero somewhere was, else. That's scary. I was really good at the second stage of Q school. I found a place that I I, I was going to get through every time. If they went back to the Ombre in Panama City, Florida, reopened it because it's closed now. Uh, I mean, the the golf course was as wide as this room. You had to walk single file on every hole, and I hit it really short and straight. I was going to get through there every time. I've heard horror stories about that place. Oh. The guys talking about how narrow that place is. I think you should share one of those horror stories because Q School is a great topic with you. I mean, you did go 12 times. Right. Let's you run, made let's it through, run through those. But tell the ombre story that you shared with me earlier because this is dude, great. Dude, so at the second stage, it's pass-fail. You, you either get to the finals, and at the time – if, if you got to the finals, you won. You had a chance to finish the top 25 and get your PGA Tour card. Or actually, it was probably 40 back then. Uh, but you were also guaranteed a place to play. You were in the system. You were on the, what's now the Corn Ferry Tour. So I was first out off the back nine, right in the middle of the pack, playing the final round. And uh, I was one under, and I shot one under. and I, So I finished at two under. And we knew three was probably going to be the number. So I'm upstairs with John Morris. Mm -hmm. who won the Sony Open mm -hmm. uh, a couple of years before that. Uh, and I'm drinking beer. You know, it's noon, and my golf career Golf's has over. just my, – my career has just ended. <laughs> it's noon. And, it's time for beer. <laughs> and, uh, my caddy, Barry Williams, who later went on to win with Boo Weekly and John Rollins and, and you know, really improved his status uh, when I stopped playing. Uh, he came up the stairs. He said, you're not going to believe this. A guy – in the second to last group, just made a nine on the last hole 
He was seven under. He went from seven under to two under and let all the two unders in. I go to the finals of Q school, finish fifth, and get my card. And who, that was also your fifth year on the PGA Tour, <coughs> yeah. which qualifies you for the retirement. Which who was the guy? You remember his name? I don't. Oh, my God. You, you owe him a thank guy. you he's or a selling, bottle of wine he, or something. He's, he's teaching old ladies how to hit a hook somewhere now. But God bless him. Yeah, God bless God him. God bless him for, for it. For the people at home, like I mean, the Q school stories are just incredible. I mean, oh. for the guys that have gone through it like we all have, I mean, it's just a, it's a brutal week, especially final stage. And I mean, I know you've had, you claim sleepless I, nights about it. I had a caddy, and I won't mention any names, Barry. Uh, <laughs> we That year we got our card. The next year, I'm back at Q school again. I was exempt to the finals. And I'm playing, I'm playing much better this year. I mean, I'm, I'm in the top 10 all week. And we get finished and. You might you might sense a problem here uh, with my game. We're drinking a beer afterward, and uh, <laughs> he says, "You know that shortcut on on 13?" I said, "Yeah." Where we go back to the tee, and you guys cut through the woods up to the landing area. He said, "Yeah." Uh, my stomach couldn't take the pressure today. He said, uh, I, "I lost my lunch on that." On I'm like, "We had six holes left. I was ten shots inside the number." Yeah. He said, "Yeah." He said, "That's what Q school is." Yeah, yeah. You never. Uh, Dude just made a nine right. over at the ombre. On right. the last exactly. hole. So this shit ain't in the books. It happened every year. Second say some guy would be in second place. Yeah. Nine shots clear of the number. He'd come in 80. Yeah. Miss by one or make it on the number yeah. or something. It just happens you, every time. Are you a guy that wishes they would bring that direct path to the PJ tour back? I think so. I think, you know, not a lot of numbers, uh, five cards. I'd be okay with 10 cards. I think the players who get to the PGA tour through the corn Ferry tour process right now are better players mm-hmm. uh, but you know, we got great stories. We got Boo Weekly out of Q School. We we got great stories out of Q School. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with keeping that dream alive. We can still do all the other things we're doing. The, the difficulty here is if we do bring back players at Q School, uh, you know, say you gave five cards. Well, those guys are eight tournaments behind because uh-huh. they're not going to get to play in the fall. So, immediately they're showing up in well, Hawaii. change the date. I don't know that you can change the date logistically. There's, yeah. They're going to miss some tournaments because I don't know if you know, but the off season was one week this year. Where do you pull the other five cards from? Or yeah. you just say there's no five more going yeah, on the tour a, this year? Are you going to yank five from like Corn Ferry graduates? Yeah, I or you, I, yeah. I would do ten and make the Corn Ferry forty if it was up to me. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that just makes sense. I mean, just from entertainment though, to have that well, at the end of the year for five, ten, whatever it is, to watch that and go through the same shit. I mean, your caddy's out there uh, throwing up in the woods. The There's TV. nothing. It's the best television. Period. Never more nervous. I don't care if it's Sunday of a major, which I've never been there, but you're playing just to have a chance to do that. I mean, I rem- I can still remember shots that I hit at Q school. My first my first Q school graduation was in '95. I'm uh, playing at the Bears Club in uh, West, Palm. West Palm Beach. I'm finishing on number nine. I'm playing with Taylor Smith, uh, who we lost several years ago. I've got four iron, 202, back left flag. I hit four iron off my back foot, and I hit, I cut everything. I started it at the left fringe. It came right down the flag. I got. I have to make par to get my card on this 440-yard hole, which back then that was a long par four. And, <laughs> and it, it lands about 15 feet from the hole. Taylor was a shot ahead of me. So he, he could make bogey, and he already hit it in the right fringe. And as he's walking by in that great LaGrange, Georgia accent, he says, Johnny, and I can't say all the words, that's the best shot you've ever hit in your life. You can say anything you want on here, but 
we appreciate you keeping it PC. I think uh, I get it. I think where he was PG. going with it. And, and I, I Would mean, you agree I still, with that? I still have tingles. This is 25 years right. ago, and I still, I still makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. But that's what and makes that's, you come back more, like though, gone too. now, yeah. Hitting shots yeah. like that, because you can remember it so well. Yeah. Well, what, you graduated in 91 from ECU, then you got your, your 95 was your first? 96. 96 I was, was first, So you got out there. Tiger was really scared of me when he came out, too. I've heard him Tiger talk that about year, that. You were the yeah. guy. Everyone were pointing at. But you got out, what, four or five years to get on the PGA Tour? Uh, were you going to be a PGA Tour or bus? If it takes me seven, I still don't have a card. I'm going to keep okay. going. I majored in English and philosophy at East Carolina. A professor. There wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot left out there for me. I mean – the big philosophy firms were shutting down at that point. Yeah, in big philosophy is taking a hit. <laughs> <laughs> so, Professor McGinnis, this was it. Was it, the thing is, is we didn't know. I didn't know how hard it was. We didn't have the internet. We we didn't have any of the things that told you how good Phil Mickelson was. I only knew who Phil Mickelson was because I played in a U.S. Amateur that he won. But I didn't. I didn't play with him because if I had known that's how good you had to be, I would have quit and done something else a long time ago. Ignorance is bliss. Yes. That's a little philosophy for you. There's some philosophy, yeah. Philosopher Sleaze. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sleaze You mentioned Tiger because you did play in Tiger's third ever PGA Tour event with I him. I played with him at the BC Open. Uh, Give me first thought. I mean, obviously you know who he is because he's all over the news. Well, my never. first thought was uh, at the time I was a newlywed and my wife caddied for me. And, uh, I mean, I was young and attractive. <laughs> Look, we... I made $180,000 that year and kept my card. Uh, <laughs> you were a catch. <laughs> no, I, what I'm saying is I would have had to pay a whole lot of money to a caddy. I, she got it all. Well, that was better. But kept it in-house. But I was thinking, this kid's younger than me. He's already richer than me. He's better looking than I am. And my 20-something-year-old wife may just be looking at him. Uh, <laughs> but the, he flew into a different airport than we did. <laughs> so the third hole at the BC Open is where they now play the Dick Sporting Goods uh, on the Champions Tour is a par five. The first two par fours are sharp dog legs, and you, you lay up to the corner. Uh, Tiger hits this kind of pull hook into the trees, and it rattles around in the trees and actually kicks back out in the fairway. And I've dribbled my drive right out to the corner, so I know I've got right at 240 to the front, and maybe I can roll my three-wood onto the front of the green. Tiger's 30 yards behind me. It's Fluff caddying for me, who I had met the year before, or caddying for him, who I had met the year before at the U.S. Open, playing a practice round with Peter Jacobson. Tiger pulls out an iron because he has 270 to the front. He's clearly laying up. Mm. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm standing 10 feet away from the hardest golf swing I've ever seen in my life, the loudest contact to a balada golf ball I've ever heard. Mm. And this ball took off and it looked like a laser. And right when it was supposed to start coming down, it did that. And it went up in the air a little bit more <laughs> and it came down. And by, and by this point, Tiger's already walked 40 yards. Uh, I mean, as soon as he made contact, he knew. And it landed about four steps onto the front of the green and trickled to the back fringe. And I looked at Fluff and I want to, be very clear to all those listening. I was not asking advice when I said, Fluff, what the F was that? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, that's our two iron. We carried about 275. You're and, not the only one who said, what the F is that to Fluff? I promise over the years. And I, and I said, I don't have a club. At the time, I was averaging 268 off the tee. Yeah. And he said an iron. And he said iron, 275. Mm. What do you look and say to your caddy at that point? Like, well, this is it. We had a good run. <laughs> and I did dribble that three-wood right on the front right on fence, the by the way. Eat shit, Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> did you play with him anymore in your career? Uh, I played with him. Um, 
Remember 99, uh, Payne Stewart wins Pebble Beach. They washed out the final round. Uh, but we we had teed off on 10 that day. He and I and Stuart Appleby and Stuart Appleby's amateur partner, and they blew the horn, and then they just called the tournament and gave the trophy to, to Payne. And the next day, as we're leaving, they said, well, we can't play on Monday because the forecast is too bad, and it was 75 and sunny all oh. day on Monday. So – I could have played with Tiger. You should have called his room and be like, you want to go play anyway? Hey, bud, what are you doing? Are you already gone? Back, Go back to 96 when you played them because he was just coming on tour. He wasn't. He hadn't done what he did at Augusta yet and all right. that stuff. And a lot of people that were out there were kind of doubting, like anointing this guy too early. Was that the common consensus? I oh, guess, yeah, we hated the guys? And, like, and the like, money. Dude, he hasn't done shit yet. You know he's coming, but like, let him earn it at least. Was and that the, the vibe? The money, you know, it was the, the whole night because the rumor was $10 million. Well, $10 million was an, uh, a, a sum – that that was beyond what a quarterback was making. You know, that was this was this was an astronomical sum of money. So we resented him. And then I met him. And you've met him. Mm. You you know. This is one of the funniest guys on the on the tour. This this guy's awesome. And so you immediately love him. I mean, Tiger's beloved in the locker room, as as you know. Uh, but once I saw the game. I knew that everything I'd ever done in my entire life had been in vain. <laughs> That's a good feeling, too. Well, I just yeah. wasted 25 yeah. years of my life to yeah, get my I mean, ass kicked by this kid. There was no question. He, he hit a little cut off the tee after hitting draws all day on our last hole. And I thought, That's, not, that's just not even fair. You know, you can't hit a little cut off the tee after hitting draws all day. And, and the cut was, of course, off the water that was up the left-hand side. Why wouldn't See, you? But, like, that's an example. And this was in 96, but why guys struggled playing with him so much. Not only just the gallery, but the things he could do. You were in all of it. You were watching it right. instead of worrying about your own stuff right. that was going on. I mean, I, uh, Joe Daly was the other guy in the group. And between shots, Joe and I were talking about what we were watching. Yeah. And I, I do remember, I shot eight under for, for two rounds, and he was 11. Tiger was 11 under because I wanted to beat him. Mm-hmm. And – Thank God he decided not to play the next week. The next week was Callaway Gardens, a tournament called the Buick uh, Challenge. <clears throat> and uh, and he was supposed to get the AAU's Athlete of the Year award in Atlanta. There was a big stink when he said, look, I'm not, I'm not coming. Um, he turned down a sponsor exemption in his fourth professional event. <laughs> Typical. Because, it, because he was tired. And thank God he didn't play because I lost in a playoff and kept my card that week. Uh, and Tiger probably would have won by six or seven the way that he was playing. Instead, he waited till the next week in Vegas to beat Davis Love in the playoff and win for the first time. Yeah, it's incredible. And then it took, it, it took an entire seven more days for him to win the next time. What was he like that week with the week you played with him? A, you got you might have one of the lowest scoring round uh, scoring averages paired with Tiger Woods though. If we go back that's and look real, at it, you shot real. eight under with the, with the kid. There's not new, too many people averaging four under. That's a good point. And throughout their career with Tiger, so you might be in the record books there. Yeah. But when you did play with him, he was so young. Was he? Were you guys talking and cutting oh, out? Yeah. Like he was less like guarded than he was years right. later. Uh, absolutely. But I think on the golf course inside the ropes, he'll talk. You know, he'll engage with whoever he's playing with. I, I mean, he's. He engaged. He is engaged with me more in in broadcasting than I would have ever thought. You know, he always says hello. He calls me Johnny. He's the only person on the planet that calls me Johnny. Um, I, but I, 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 okay, I answer. If you had an IE to the end of your name or a Y, that means you're his boy. Like, yeah, weirzy, I mean, no, weirzy, even if yeah. it doesn't sound good. Right. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm okay, I was okay with it. Yeah. Uh, 
but uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that he was great, and I've I've never had a bad interaction with Tiger in the twenty five plus years that I've known him. And you've interviewed him a bunch of times. I've seen him. I feel like he is more I, open. I, What's that? I have this job that I have now because of an interview with Tiger. The first one. The very first interview I you ever wanted did. To, it was I was your first get week to of it. TV, right? Second. Second week of TV? Yeah, you were first, a rook. first week of TV, I did the Senior Players Championship in Dearborn, Michigan. I was there for 48 hours. I did Thursday and Friday, two hours. We used to work two hours a day from four to six. Mm, that's a hell of a job. Uh, and we stayed at the Ritz-Carlton. It was the best week of broadcasting oh I've God. ever had in my life. But, uh, yeah, the next week was in Flint, and that's where I, I interviewed Tiger. <laughs> Hey, that's a great tournament, though. It was a great tournament. It was. My rookie year was the last year they had that. That thing was awesome. I didn't understand how Tiger could continually win your golf tournament and the tournament goes out of business. Yeah, that, exactly. That was, right. that was one of the yeah. great mismanagements yeah. of all time. Hold on. You get Tiger and he wins here every year? Yeah. And you and, can't keep it going? you have massive crowds that go crazy the whole right. time. It's a mini Phoenix Open. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good That's a good. Hard one. to mess that up. But your but, first interview, yeah, yeah, tell us about, you said you got your job because of him. Well, I, I, I was filling in on you. That was back on USA Network at Thursday, Friday coverage, and it was just a two-week gig. <laughs> it's 545, Tiger's just finished, and he comes down the steps, and the scoring was in a really secluded area. So it's just me, the caddies, uh, and Greg Parker, who is ubiquitous in all of these situations, <laughs> um, who you've seen on TV with the white hair. He's the spotter for CBS. Um, at any rate, uh, a tiger comes down the steps, and I'm in a sling. I have literally had elbow surgery a month before. <laughs> and um, he makes a joke about the fact that I only have one arm. And uh, I knew he was in a good mood. And so the second question I asked, while well, Lance Barrow is in my headset. Lance Barrow has one... 40 Emmys. A lot. Uh, and is saying, ask Tiger what he has to do on the weekend to win the golf tournament. And the words that came out of my mouth were, this is 2004, remember. Tiger, we all know you're getting married soon. How's that going to affect your fishing? Genius. It's good. Dumbest question I've ever asked anybody <laughs> ever. And he laughed. And he told a story about how, you know, he and Elon had discovered spear fishing down in the islands and they had these bases that they went and when there's blood in the water there's trust and teamwork and blah 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 and i mean i'm like uh back up to you bill and all i hear in my headset from lance is mcginnis you're done and i'm thinking oh i've just screwed up i am completely fired and kevin landy was my producer for from usa network who's now the director of communications for the usga um later when i got you know i'm waiting around the tv compound to thank everybody for my two weeks of work and he Said, well, there's 11 weeks left in the year. Can you work all of them? Oh, wow. And I said, okay, sure. That's awesome. So that injury was kind of a blessing, probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you would have kept staying I mean, the same it didn't at feel golf. that way when the bone spur pierced the tendon and detached it from the elbow. But after that, it was a blessing. Yeah, exactly, sure. <laughs> right? But I, obviously, I'm, I would imagine, like a lot of us golfers, there's when you're playing, there's not a plan B. And probably media was never... Oh, a thought. as soon as I got hurt, I called my buddy who sells, uh, who sold me my life insurance policy. And I actually, for a very short period of time, was licensed to sell life insurance in the state of North Carolina. And my thought was, well, you know, there's all these young tour players who are, are having babies. They need a, a, a wealth management life insurance policy. And the tour didn't have anything at the time. And their agents didn't have anything at the time to... To help him with that. So I was going to be that guy. If I had done that starting in 2004 
you have any idea how rich I'd be right now <laughs> if I'd been selling, you know, all those kids on tour uh, life insurance policies? Instead, I- I'm scraping my week to week. There's a I think you're doing okay. Mediocre broadcast. But by the way, I mean, if you ever step away from this, think about your resume: golfer, life insurance. I never sales. actually sold a policy. Okay, well you. You were. Cr- I just were got a new to. kid, dude. I'll buy one from you. <laughs> Go back. Your resume. Make me an offer. I don't know how this shit works, but I'll golfer, buy it. life yeah. insurance, media star, yoga studio owner. I mean, how many people can put all four of those uh, on one thing? I'll show you my down dog. Uh, I mean, <laughs> show, please God, show By us the, way, the down dog. This one did not understand the down dog. Thing oh, I we asked had Amanda, Amanda Ballion. I don't. I mean. I haven't done yoga before. Actually, I did hot yoga one time, really? but I was like downward. I know the name of the, but I was like, where does that even come from? And then apparently that's the dumbest question of all time. <laughs> no, no. You're, the, the, I mean, the, yoga, yoga is for everybody, even fat guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, even more so, maybe. Uh, Port City Power Yoga, Wilmington, North Carolina. There's the shame. Plug spot. that. Yes, my, yeah, my, plug my, that. My wife opened the yoga studio in December and couldn't be more proud of her. And the way that I look at it is, and you guys will agree uh, that you don't get to the PGA Tour by yourself. No, it may feel like that a lot of the time, but there, there's your your parents, your your friends, the people at the club. There's a level of support that is absolutely required, even for the guys that are pricks. <laughs> <laughs> Who are those? <laughs> and, Name them. <laughs> and so when my wife said, you know, my dream's always been to open a studio, I thought, well, you know, there's a whole group of people that helped me pursue my dream. This is a small dream by comparison that we can actually afford. So let's open a yoga studio. You ever get in there and do a little instruction? Oh, yeah. You show them that no, down, no, no, that, no, that, no that down doggy? I will absolutely go in there and, and mix and it strike up. some poses. Sure. I get Love amongst that. it in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I like it. As you should. Well, let's let's talk a little bit because about the Sirius XM gig because I think that's where a lot of our listeners know you from. I mean, you've just killed it. On that network with your partner Brian Katrick, who's actually sitting us right here. Shout out, with BK. Us. Yeah, Katrick and McGinnis on tap. I know. I believe at first it was just McGinnis, it was on, McGinnis tap. on tap, and that was hard work. A solo show. That's oh, a different dude. ball game. Yeah, that that was hard work. Well, BK had uh, we had Matt Adams in the morning at eight. Brian Katrick came on at ten, teed off. He was teed off with Brian mm. Katrick. And uh, and he was angry. He's always and, and, an angry dude. And, 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 <laughs> they must have been out some, of Mountain Dew. And somehow he made Peter Costas, uh, who came on, uh, not Peter Costas, uh, Peter Kessler, who came on after him, even angrier. Uh, <laughs> and so then, you're responsible for that? And, for and that then, explosion? Then, uh, they, they, I filled in for them one December. And they were like, okay, he can do this. And so that's when... I ended up doing a post game. Uh, the, my first gig was a post game show. I would do the live coverage and then stay on Thursday through Sunday and do the post game show. And what we realized was there's a whole lot of appetite for this on Thursday and Friday by compared to Saturday and Sunday. So in the off season, I went to five days a week or Monday through Friday. And it was, it was really baptism by fire on so many different levels. We were selling our own advertising. That's how we were getting paid. Sirius XM wasn't paying us which was fine because Brian and I got great at selling advertising. Mm-hmm. Not as good as Jim Kahn, but we got, we got good at it. <laughs> and, you know, we were, we were thrilled when, when the opportunity for us to join forces came <clears throat> and to stop having to, you know, be a one-man show, a producer, uh, you know, everything all in one. It was, it was a blessing, and I've, I've had an absolute blast 
working with Brian for the yeah, last year. That's crushing. a monster to be selling your own advertising, yeah. signing your own guests, doing every segment by yourself. I mean, that's a whole different animal than like, hey, Brian or Colin Coward shows up and like, hey, you got this guy, this guy, this guy today. Here's your progressive read. Right. Do yeah. that and But then go. You, you get these moments that happen and you're like, holy crap, I just did that. I, I just had um, Ken Venturi on the day that he was announced uh, that he's going in the World Golf Hall of Fame and 15 minutes into the conversation, Lance Barrow calls in, and they do the next 30 minutes talking about old times. I mean, you're like, okay, I, I got to do that. How did that just happen? You know? Hold, hold on to my calls, please. People, yeah, a lot of people okay. trying to call in. This ain't radio, dude. This is a podcast. <laughs> the, the, the phones aren't open. I think this is my first uh, podcast appearance. Is it really? Is that right? Uh, 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 with, with video. Oh, you're oh, a veteran. Yeah. You're very comfortable Our behind the microphone. Are blow up after this. If you oh, do that downward same. dog, that'll be the only thing we put uh, well, on I social. Was, I was gonna bring a wardrobe change for every segment, and then I realized, well, they don't have freaking commercials. So. No, no, there's no commercials. <laughs> and then I ruined here. my sweatshirt when I got here, and you guys gave me one. So yeah, you're gonna walk out here with a new wardrobe. Tell, yeah. tell me this because you do both play by play, and you do catch your McGinnis on tap. Is there one that you prefer? Are you a guy that likes to sit down for two hours a day, or do you, do you like being out there in the action, I roaming the fairways? I much prefer walking the fairways. And fortunately, BK? PGA Tour Live likes me out there. Mm -hmm. And um, I did the live radio coverage in the early iterations, um, and I spent one year, 32 weeks in D.C., uh, being the analyst on radio. I was going up Thursday morning on the train and driving home uh, Sunday night. From, from North Carolina. And it was great work. I needed it. I was probably going through a divorce. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but to be outside, to walk the fairways, to, to walk down the range and say hi to guys, um, you know, I'm getting older now. So I have to go introduce myself to guys uh, on the driving range these days. And, you know, at some point we're going to get to a year on the PGA Tour, a full season where nobody that I played with wins a golf tournament. Mm -hmm. Haven't gotten there yet. Stuart Sink took care of it a couple of years ago, right out, right out of the gate. That was nice of him. Mm -hmm. Phil Mickelson last year. I mean, old guys are still winning, and I like that. But I think you're good for about five more years. I don't know. I mean, it could happen any year, really. Who's the youngest guy out there right now that you played against? Oh, that can win. I mean, I played with Charles Howell. I played with Adam Scott. I played with you. Got Tiger. Uh, Tiger. You know, possibly. Uh, basically, if they're in their in their forties, mid. Early to mid forties. You got the seagull, Charlie Hoffman. He's the goals coming in it. hot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's 44, 45. I played with him yeah. uh, quite a bit actually, and you know, Charlie, Charlie and Pat Perez were quite a duo there in their twenties. <laughs> you should get them to tell you those stories on this podcast. Oh, well, yeah, I think we have. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, Given your success in in on on PJ Tour Radio and in the broadcast and stuff, if I said, hey. You can give one more year, go back in time, you get one more year healthy on the PGA Tour, or I'll give you all this that you have had since then uh, as broadcast, what would you do? I'm the luckiest guy I've ever met. Uh, I, I got to do that so that I get to do this. I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, I'd, I'd be a little skinnier and I'd like a little more hair. But <laughs> other than that, uh, I, I mean, I wake up every day and I'm like, I, I can't believe that this is my life. You know, I've got friends that go to offices. I, I, I get to get on planes, go to great locations, and talk about golf. And uh, last night, we're here in Scottsdale. Last night, got into town. 
the guy that we went to dinner with uh, who lives up at Pinnacle Peak, I played with in the first Monday Pro-Am at the Wells Fargo in 2003. He's from here. He had taken a group of guys. They played in that Pro-Am, and then they went to Pinehurst. Well, I told them everywhere they needed to go in Pinehurst, uh, drinking and play golf. We adjusted their itinerary during the round. That was almost 20 years ago, and we're still good friends. I mean, that's that's how cool this game is. It really is. No, but you, I mean, it's, it's just so cool because I remember, you know, I went to the 2019 U.S. Open at Pebble, and yeah. that was my first um, live golf event to work. And I'll never forget, I walk into the rental house, and you look at me and go, take a good look. This is your future. And you just gave me one of these, and I'm like, shit. This is Fuck it, I'm out. <laughs> but, but on a I'm going to start, the range. Yeah, I was like, I got to go. And I was still trying to play at the time. Right. I was just, yeah, but I followed you around on Friday morning. We had Tiger, Justin Rose, Jordan Spieth. And I could not believe the amount of people in the gallery that yelled at you and tell you how much they love your show. <laughs> I thought it was so cool. I was like, man, they really love this guy out here. And it, I think that's got to be make you want to go to work more and more every time. Uh, there's no question. We... <laughs> We ran a rip on our show for for years of broadcasters and others who have called in mispronouncing people's names. And while many of them had some longevity, there's one that still sticks out right now that as I'm walking a rope line, somebody will say, Finu, talking about Tony Finau. <laughs> and, again, and, and that's just, it's like, that's one of our morons. Fabulous. That's one of our morons. Yeah. Those are our morons. And we appreciate those. You know, we, we, are, we are the morons that, that get to do that. So, yes, um, when, when there's a situation. And I'm, I, I had a hard time from March 2020 through the period of time where there were no galleries out there trying to keep the energy level up walking with a group in a huge moment doing the radio broadcast at Wingfoot and there were a dozen people walking with Bryson DeChambeau and, and Matt Wolf I mean that was it was surreal it made no sense to me looking at that clubhouse thinking of you know they both make eagle on nine in the final round the first eagle was Wolf who pulled within one and then Bryson tops him to go three. Imagine what a New York gallery would have sounded oh. like right there. So I, I struggled a lot with that period. Yeah, I think realize I mean, how bad it sucked yeah. until they, I mean, you did, but until they came back, you right. get like yeah. Phil at Kiowa, like, holy shit, this is fun again. <laughs> Lee Westwood had my favorite line. He's like, man, it's really nice to have some of the gallery back. <laughs> <laughs> That's very, very true. Yeah. It is true. Um, let's talk about a little bit where the game of golf is right now. Mm. Because obviously, as you said, you were a short straight hitter. I was a short straight hitter. The game's changed a lot right. over the years, and you've seen it. Ain't it ain't coming back. It ain't coming back. No, it's definitely not. How do you feel about where it's at right now, though? You know, I think that the, the there was a, a period of time in there where I think I would have answered this question completely differently than I do. I will now. Because I feel like there's a element of skill that's kind of being brought back into the game. I feel like John Rahm can do things with a golf ball that – there was a there was a stretch in there where you didn't need to be able to curve it a little bit. Colin Morikawa curves the golf ball. Mm -hmm. Bubba always curved the golf ball, but he was pretty much the only one. He and Tiger. Now they're curving the golf ball again. They're spinning, you know, they're they're hitting little little nibble draw wedges that spin left toward the hole, or you know, cuts that spin right toward the hole. And I'm like, okay, the skill's coming back into the game. The they're never going to put the the toothpaste back in the tube and and, and dial the ball back or whatever. David Faraday had a great suggestion. He said, uh, just just take their tee away from them. He said, make the tee an inch and a half long, and that's as long as you can have it. Mm -hmm. 
well, you know what? That that might do it, but they'll figure out how to hit they'll 350 yards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But one thing, like you know, everybody talks about Bryson and what he's doing, but he, you're out there in the fairways, you see it. He doesn't get near enough credit for how straight he hits it. I mean, I've talked to the top rank, one of the very high ranked players in the world. He's like, Colt, if he hits it straight, we can't beat him. Right. I mean, and it's that impressive. Like what he did at Bay Hill, like that stuff's cool. Like back when I, if I was playing, I probably wouldn't think it was. But I followed him around at Memphis, which is a very hard golf course. And watched him hit 17 nine irons or less into 18 greens out there and shoot 63. And I was like, and he hit 10 to 14 fairways. Right. I was like, dude, it's not like he hits it 60 yards offline. No. Like, it's, it's not impressive. Like he, way, it's not like he plays the way Phil played. Exactly. The, the, I, I agree with there. There's a misconception that he is, uh, Phil was haphazard. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, Phil was dangerous uh, at, at times. Was? Uh, he, he probably <laughs> still is, but. <laughs> He's not in as many featured groups as he used to be. True. Uh, but Bryson is, I, I mean, it's it's so mind-boggling. It, to me, the only comparison is, is Tiger in the, early, in the late 90s. Uh, when he hit the driver on, in, the, in the singles at the Ryder Cup, mm-hmm. I was with that group. It was he and Sergio. Sergio had already hit and, and hit a good drive, 20 yards short of the green. I lost Bryson's ball in the air. Catrick's uh, calling it. And uh, as it lands, I I take over. And what shocked me, what what amazed me about that ball that had just flown 328 yards to land on that green was that it then only released out about 12 feet. It came down like my eight iron. Mm And I feel like we get caught up in so much of what Bryce is doing with the link stuff that we forget about. Like you take Wingfoot, for example, he was one of the best around the greens mm. that week. He was the best putter that week. Like there's other things. It's not just, there's been guys that have hit it long for Hank Keeney led the PJ yeah. tour and driving by a long shot way back in the day, like 320 plus back before all this right. stuff happened. He wasn't winning every single golf tournament. He was by far the longest. There's other shit that has to go into it to win golf tournaments. I feel like that just gets th- swept under the rug. The driving distance matters more now. Hitting distance is what the USGA calls it. Um, and that's fine. They can call it whatever it they is. want to. fact of the matter is that in the 80s, uh, the guys who were in the top 10 in driving distance were not in the top 10 in, in money. I feel like now you've got to be in the top 20, 25 in driving distance to have a chance to be in the top 10 in money or FedEx Cup points unless you do something so extraordinarily well that isn't driving the golf ball. Colin Morikawa's iron, iron play – Jordan Spieth's short game. Those guys can still compete at a, at an average distance, but I think to be an elite player on the PGA Tour, and, and not so much on the LPGA Tour, not so much in really even the amateur game, but for some reason the way the golf courses are set up on the PGA Tour, to be an elite player you have to be. Because yeah. everyone's good at everything on the PGA, you know, there's no room to make it up. Well, I just don't think you're going to see guys, like I'll never forget the year at Hartford, there was a playoff with Corey Pavin and Bubba Watson. Yes, like, that's not going to happen anymore. There's Well, first of all, well, there's, there's no, no young court. kids coming out that are Corey Pavin. Yeah. Justin Leonard, who's a borderline Hall of Famer, in my opinion, you're not going to see anything like that. I agree. I mean, it's just – which is kind of unfortunate, I think, that if you're one of the guys that's not blessed well, with, you know, a ton of speed. Well, I think you have to I think you have to develop the speed right from the gate. Yes. Uh, you know, I've got a two-year-old. Uh, I also have a 23-year-old. But <laughs> – <laughs> I mean, he's he's already. I'm I'm not teaching him anything, but swing at it as hard 100%. as you can. Hundred percent. You know, let's let's swing at it hard. And it was the opposite when I was coming up. But you're yes. never going to see a Corey Pavin win at Shinnecock ever oh, <laughs> again either. You know, you're not going to see. But the same way, you're not going to see another. I mean, probably John Stockton playing the NBA. 
Things so, change. You 90, have a better chance of 90, that. 95 at Shinnecock. Um, I'm playing in the group. The USGA used to have a sense of humor. Uh, it was me and two other guys named John uh, that had never played in the U.S. Open before. We were behind Norman Azinger and Floyd in front of Jack Nicklaus, Ian Baker Finch, and maybe Seve. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> we were literally called in the New York Post the beer and hot dog group. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> when, is awesome. When this group comes by, uh, get your beer and hot dogs. Uh, Greg Norman was incredible. They, they cannot if they if this new tour happens, they can't have a shot clock out there. They can't. They can never assess anybody a penalty for slow play because he was the slowest. Um, at any rate, uh, I'm playing right behind him. He, I'm, I'm ten shots. I'm eleven shots behind him playing the last hole with the ten shot rule. Um, he chips in from behind the green. Incredible shot. Took like a four shot lead. Well, I can't make the cut now. Yeah. I hit my forehand on the green. Um, my wife, who was caddying for me, says, you know, we may never play this. I hadn't played a PGA tournament at this point, so this was the largest gallery that had ever seen me hit a shot. She said, you might as well make this putt because this is probably this it. Might this might be it, yeah. This <laughs> Enjoy <time>. this, man. <laughs> and I hit it, and, and it actually and it went in. I'm in a bar in Southampton five hours later, and – uh, they're they're not even watching the golf, and they flip over to the golf, and it says projected cut plus six. And I was like, well, that that doesn't make any sense. I'm plus six, and Norman's six under, or, or whatever it was, plus five, whatever the the number was. I was eleven shots back, and uh, it turned out there weren't sixty players within oh, within so ten shots of the league. So I went to the next number, and I actually got to play the weekend. No shit. Here. Wow, that's yeah. a cool story. Caddy earned her pay that week. Might as well make it. She well, should have been saying that from one through 35 she holes. Got, she got 100%. She took a pay cut in the divorce, which she only got 80. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, should we get to the E9? Yeah, you We wanna, can talk for eight hours with John McGinnis, but let's this is the E9. Nine. nine fun questions. They're mm -hmm. all fun with you, but this is going to be a lot of fun, I think. All right, we asked this to everyone. You could trade lives with anyone, dead or alive, for a day. Who would it be? I don't have an answer for that. Uh, That's a first. I, I'm, I'm a narcissist. I, I like me. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, you don't want to trade. What no, day? Uh, what day you want to go back and relive? No, no. I, I think. I, I, I think that there's some. I, I think I want to trade with Michael Jordan. Any of the game sevens. Oh, that's a cool one. Yeah. You know, I, I think I think that that knowing what it would feel like to fly, and I'd like to know what that felt like from a confidence standpoint. To not only know that you're better than everybody else, but they know you're better. They're better than you know that you're uh -huh. the best. And yeah, it's a good feeling. I, 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 would, I would think so. <laughs> I mean, you definitely have the best hair on this show. Oh, thank you. Worst beard though. <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't have one. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, number two. All right, number two. What has better odds of happening? You never having another drink in your life, or your co-host Brian Katrick having his first? Well, no, he 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 just doesn't like the taste. Oh, is that right? It's just yeah. Mountain Dew. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, he just doesn't like the taste. Uh, but that one clearly has a better chance of happening than me never having another one. I'm gonna have another one right now. Yeah, exactly. Okay. As you should. I was gonna ask you whose diet would mess up the other ones more. Ooh. If you had to go to six Mountain Dews a day Ooh. with Skittles and whatever, what else you eat, BK? 
cookies, Love, everything. Yeah. Or, oh my god! But I, no I, booze, or he has to go to whatever you eat, but with the booze. Says I, I actually eat very healthy, but I drink. I remember, right. I live with a yoga instructor. I, I, That's I, true. You're a yoga guy. Of I course. mean, I, I, I eat lentils and things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, she she makes pancakes out of out of oatmeal. Uh, you know, wait wait no, they get flour and sugar. No, they don't get flour and sugar in my house. Ugh, that's bullshit. sad face. Yeah, that is sad. All right, number three. This is just one last well, one kind of serious golf one for you. Give me John McGinnis's boldest prediction for the PGA Tour in 2022. Uh, I'm going to tell you what I'm, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Uh, I'm betting uh, a certain amount of money. Every time Colin Morikawa tees it up to win, and every time Victor Hovland tees it up to win, I've already told my bookie just tell me what the odds are that week. Because, and I figure that if they uh, if they win twice each, they have to probably win twice each for me to break even. Okay, I feel like that's a pretty good bet. That's not a bold prediction by any stretch. Uh, where do I they go? I, like I think, fifteen to one? Uh, they, if, Ish, if, and then I, they play thirty if events. If they average at twelve, I, I was thinking twenty-five events at twelve, 12 to yeah. one is is the break-even number. Uh, but that that's just yeah. Con maybe twelve. I, Victor fifteen. I, I, I mean, a, a bold prediction would have been Phil wins a major again last year, and you'd have been right. Uh, I think it's a bold prediction to say Tiger plays all four majors this year. There you go. But that'd be incredible. God. <laughs> Be the greatest. <laughs> I hope you're right on that one. Ooh, I hope you're very right on that one. Are you working the Masters? Yes, sir. Baby. Where, uh, where do they know? I where? don't know what I'm doing yet. I mean, you'll so. be sitting down. I'll be there all that's, week. That's I don't a know really fattening is. week, just so you know. I was there last year. Yeah, you um, just sat and ate. Featured groups and then went and sat in the green room. Yeah, great. Sat and eat. Sat and eat. I actually would go out in, in the mornings and and walk around and watch them because it was limited patrons, so right. you could have, so you could see everything. Right. It was right. great. Right. right. And would, it was my first time there, so. Right. You yeah. and I, have you not played the golf course yet? I played it in uh, in November. Played it all the way back, got my ass whipped, and said I'll play the member tees from now on if I get invited back. Never played it. Really? Guy yeah. like you? Never played it. Really? Wow. As tied in as you are, right there have, in that neck of the woods? I, I can be there in three and a half hours. If anyone's listening. Right. Never played it. I've mean, got a lot of members that listen do. to this podcast. I've known, I know a few guys, too. You know, I don't know if you uh, heard... I hosted a radio show on this network with a Masters champion every other week. Who can take me to play there? Well, that's just wrong. It, and, and, and he didn't. On this network? Craig Stather. Oh, yeah. We're, PJ Tour Radio. We're not on radio anymore. right now, oh, but I get it. Golf Easy so mistake far. to make. The Walrus has not taken you after the show. No, no. That should have been written into the contract. No, you know, it, you it'll be in the next agent. one. Yeah, yeah, the next one. Um. All right, you kind of touched on this. I don't know if we ever got to where we were going, but if the game of golf never existed, Oof. what's John McGinnis do for a living? I have no idea. I can't even. I can't even wrap my brain around that, John McGinnis. Uh, I'd, I'd be selling something. Insurance know? was the insurance would have. You would have been a beast. I, my, bro, my brother, uh, who's funnier than I am, has a little less hair. He's a little shorter, a little rounder. Uh, you'd love him. Uh, he sells medical devices. Um, I'd be selling. I'd be with people selling. I, I'd, I'd be with people. You'd be selling. Yeah, I told you. I got you your first your first policy. I'm gonna S- sellers. Be I'm selling. taking it. I, I mean, <laughs> give me a deal though. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> All right, next one. I actually, just changed one up. I'm gonna go with this. We give you a whole year mm-hmm. on the PGA Tour right now. You can play every single event if you want to. How many cuts you make? Well, my last year on the PGA Tour after surgery, I made one in 19 starts. 
Uh, there's only a few places I could possibly make the mm-hmm. cut. Uh, Sony, Hilton Head. Colonial, maybe? Colonial, although when those greens get firm, I don't have a chance there either. <laughs> uh, none. I, I, can't, I can't make a cut. Not I, I, I'm okay. not sure that I can make a cut. I know I can't make a cut on the PGA Tour. I don't think I can make an LPGA Tour cut either. Oh. No, seriously. There, How far are you hitting it right now? 230. 230 off the tee? Yeah. 240? You might not. I think I get your shit kicked. I think I could. I think I could make a Symmetra tour cut. The and, and the Corn Ferry tour cut. That's the hardest oh, cut in golf. God. Uh, that's yeah, the two forty. You're gonna be hitting first in every hole on the LPGA tour. I agree with that. Yeah, but but only by thirty yards. Yeah, but just not by a hundred yards. Yeah, true. Well, that that parlays perfectly. As what I thought you were going into my next question, I drop you at three hundred and five yards in the middle of the fairway of every hole on the PGA Tour. Twenty-five starts, whatever. How many cuts? Every one of them. Make every one. Mm-hmm. Every one. Three hundred five center, which is like that's just above I mean, average right now. Pretty much average, close to. No, I figured I'd put you average. That's so you five get, yards above average. No, okay. what do you, what do you no, from? I wouldn't either. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. It wouldn't. <laughs> but I, I would make some cuts. How? How? I would make. Some what do you cuts. hit from one fifty? What club? Uh. Out here in the desert, it's an eight iron, but back home, it's a seven iron. Okay, so you'd be two to three, three clubs. clubs. Three a lot clubs. of guys hit wedge. Oh, and I think my clubs are jacked up, too. You got them tweaked? No, no, <laughs> look, I'm, I'm 53 years old. Yeah, I know. I can't even compete on the Champions Tour. I went to a champion, I went to one Champions Tour qualifier this year. Uh, but I'm giving you 305. You're never punching out. You're never you're just firing. In middle, 305 firing. in the middle of the fairway is good. It is, but it's not. Colonial. I can reach, I can reach every hole in regulation at that point. If I had to play a PGA Tour course now, there's a half a dozen holes every every round. I can't Those reach those 500s them. into yeah. a puff. I can't, yeah. can't, can't reach. Problem. Two thirty off the yeah. Well, off the two thirty off the, off the, off the <laughs> You still got right. You might have a nine iron. All right, number seven. Did you know the only part of my game that compares okay. to anything they're doing? Is my putter? I can putt. Yeah, you got were those you, hands. You, you got those hands. Yeah. Don't worry, it's your yeah. show, baby. You know what I'm talking. You, whenever you're ready, I'm the you guest. Go. You go. I, I'm the guest today. Yes, you control this is it. True, you are. So we'll allow that interruption. Okay. All right, number seven. Did you know you were the reason Kevin Stroman decided to turn pro? I played with him the week that he, the day that he turned pro. I know he, he informed me of this yesterday. Do you I, know he, why? He he <laughs> you turned, know you know why? Why he turned pro. <laughs> he tur- well, he turned pro for the U.S. Open qualifier. And Pine Wild, don't 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 listen to what he, that he's, he's look. Everybody knows that Kevin Stroman is a notorious liar who who snuck. He, he plagiarized his way into Duke, and yep. then he pretended to graduate. Yeah, uh, actually, that's not. I, I played with Kevin uh, in a in a U.S. Now Open keep going qualifier. about Kevin. You did. <laughs> he's such a great guy. Uh, he knows I'm kidding. Uh, I played with him in a U.S. Open qualifier. Vance Hefner was the third guy in the group. Vance Hefner. A winner on the PGA Tour in the old team competition, uh, but it gave him life membership. Uh, and Kevin hit it. Vance and I hit it the same distance at that point in time, 265, 270. Kevin was hitting it 50 by us, but he, he didn't know where it was going. Uh, but that was, that was the local of the U.S. Open qualifier right after he was – or as he was leaving Duke. Yep. And uh, I had no idea. Yeah, that guy was going to win on the PGA Tour as many times or be as successful as he has been, because um, it was it was so unrefined at the time. I remember I remember it very clearly, but the speed was what was clearly an asset. And then he he turned into a 
not only a great player, but look look at the career that he's had. I mean, it's hard for me to think of him as a, a gray-haired veteran, but he's a gray-haired veteran. He's kept now. his car like 14 straight years. Yeah, 14, yeah. 15 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just one of those real consistent guys. He's you got look up, he, he drives it very right. like under. It's not flashy, but it's right. good. It's it's hit and it's flat and it gets some bounce. It doesn't carry well, the whole as far as others. Behind that was to say that he turned pro because he realized you were trying to do it for a living, so he knew he could. <laughs> <laughs> that was the whole point of that I, thing. I did. Get, I, I I made a twelve footer. I I made a twelve footer to get through. Your memory is sneaky good. Did you beat him? It's not sneaky. Uh, I, did you I, beat him? Yeah, there were only four, there were only four spots, and I got the last one. Yeah, and then I take I that, got Kev. In, Suck it, and then I, yeah. I got in whatever that U.S. Open was. I think that was, I think that was one at uh, Southern Hills. Yeah, Johnny whooped that ass, Kev. Yeah. Think twice before you speak about Johnny I like could, that. Couldn't beat him again ever. Are you calling him Johnny now just because Tiger does? Yeah. Me and Tiger. Yeah, we're the only guys allowed. Yeah, Are you cool yeah. with that? Yeah, I'm okay. good with that. Perfect. All right, next one. Better golf nickname for a legend: Freddie Boom Boom Couples or Johnny? The unmade bed, McGinnis. <laughs> uh, I will say that caddies give way better nicknames than players do. Boom Boom is a decent nickname. It'd be nice to be we, called Boom Boom. Uh, Phil Blackmar, who have you worked with Phil? Yes, he's awesome. His, yes, it, one of the sweetest, nicest men you're ever going to meet. Six nine. My one of my favorite Stuart Scott moments on ESPN is when when Phil Blackmar wins at Houston. <laughs> Stuart Scott said, 6'9", Phil Blackmar, he can guard Scotty in the post, uh, wins at the Houston Open, which was just a great <laughs> line. Probably, yeah. uh, but our nickname for him? Big. big. Yeah, that's... His, his nickname is Big. Yeah. Creative. Big? In, in, yeah, Big. Yeah. English, cat, <laughs> English caddies give the best nicknames. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever get a chance, I don't know if you've ever had a cocktail with the English caddies, uh, but... Uh, one of them told me uh, back when I was caddying for the Eng- for the for the Olympic flame. You were caddying for the Olympic flame. He says, "Ah, yes. Ordered food to the room every night. Never went out." <laughs> That's a nickname. <laughs> you have to think about it for a They're second. <laughs> yeah. That's good. The Olympic flame. Yeah. Who was it? Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember who the Doesn't player matter. was. It was a gone. European tour player who, who probably made a nine on the. Second to last hole at Q School back in like 2002. Yeah. By the way, been. the people watching on YouTube, they're not going to understand the unmade bed. I mean, you look fantastic in that birdie juice hoodie. I, I agree with that. Um, I, I, I'm okay with the whole unmade bed thing. I do make my bed, but I look like an unmade bed. <laughs> I get, I look, clothes don't fit me right. They don't make clothes for fat guys. That's just ridiculous. You look good in this right here. I, I agree with that. This yeah. is, this is the proper We might size. have found the right recipe. I agree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, last one. There's a lot of legendary stories from Vegas and PGA Tour players out at the tournament. You might have multiple. Uh, yeah. But I'm hoping you tell the one that's my favorite. <laughs> so give me your best John McGinnis Vegas story. Okay. So I, I can't give you any of the best <laughs> stories. I gave one to Brian on the golf course today, and I think he's still thinking about it. <laughs> um, but – the one that you're referring to. So 96 was my rookie year. We just covered that Tiger didn't play the Buick Challenge. He wins. This is the day that Tiger wins his first PGA Tour event. I have kept my card the week before making a whopping $64,000 in a, uh, by losing in a playoff. That is crazy. <laughs> Times have changed. Um, but Jimmy Buffett, I, I shot. It was a Vegas was a five-day tournament back then. It was a death march, and um, I somehow made the cut. And 
shot 75 on Saturday. So I'm first or second out on, on Sunday. And by the way, if I, I, I did the math, if I shoot 62, I'm going to make $2,400. And if I shoot 82, I'm going to make $1,800. There wasn't a whole lot to play for. So I went to the Jimmy Buffett concert with uh, David Duvall and a nice group of people. I went back to uh, the hotel. I ran into a Titleist rep, and we ended up shooting some dice. And then I got hot with the dice. <laughs> I started rolling 11. I started rolling yo a lot. $100 yo! And I don't remember what happened, but I had a whole lot more money in front of me than I could possibly make the next morning. It was the only time in my life that I looked down. I had, like, Anyway, it was $20,000 or so. Anyway, so I go upstairs. It's finally, I'm, 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 Tim Heron is amongst it. Okay. And I looked at Tim. I said, what time do you play tomorrow? And he said, dude, I missed the cut. I was like, I probably ought to go up to bed. Didn't wear a watch. Didn't have a cell phone in my pocket. Because, you know, this is 1996. Cell phones were this big. And uh, called down for a wake-up call. I said, hey, can I get a wake-up call for 630? I got an 830 with Billy Mayfair. She says, uh, sir, it's uh, it's 6.45 right now. <laughs> get your ass up. <laughs> okay. Now, I, I get in the shower, and the whole time I'm in the shower, I'm thinking, I shouldn't really drive to the golf course. I don't really have any choice. I was downtown, fortunately. I wasn't all the way out at the Strip. And, and I, I get to the golf course, and Jelly was caddying for me. Oh, man. Richard Hansberry is Jelly's real name. You, you see him, folks, on the broadcast on CBS. He stands on the last par three, and, and he's the spotter. He is one of the finest human beings I've ever met. And uh, Jelly uh, walks over to the car, and he looks at me, and he says, Driving range or first tee? <laughs> I said, I'll see you on the first tee, Joe. He says, we got 42 minutes. It's okay. I get to the first tee at TPC Summerlin. 390-yard par four. Mm -hmm. I had a five iron in. <laughs> Cold, topped it off the tee. Top the driver? Billy Mayfair did not believe me when I told him that I was suffering from flu symptoms. <laughs> <laughs> And the 71 that I shot that day oh, may have been damn. the best round I've played all year. Wow. That's incredible. 71 with a top? Eight, eight hours later, eight hours later, Tiger Woods wins his first PGA Tour event. Your story's way better, though. <laughs> way, way better. better. <laughs> wow. 71 and the four iron you hit at Q School. Yes. Best, biggest golf accomplishments. Uh, getting to the PGA Tour, was an, that's my biggest accomplishment. Staying there for a period of time. Um, I, I'm, I'm not that good. I know that now. I, I'm an analyst now. I, I look at the numbers. That guy's not that good. And yet somehow it happened. I call them bumblebees. And we all know them. You know aerodynamically uh, a bumblebee can't fly. Their bodies are too big and their wings are too short. But nobody told the bumblebee. Genius. God damn. What a way to end it. Philosophy. John McGinnis, thank you so much. Thanks for all you do for the game of golf, man. You're the best. That was so much fun. I loved it. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate yeah. you, brother. <laughs> Bumblebee. Bumblebee. Never heard that either. All right. Well, that was the great John McGinnis. 
joining us on Golf Subpar. I mean, so much fun. First off, once again, he, he opens the line with a divot tool. He wins the dry heave, walk off, last shot of the tournament. I mean, this guy, he is unbelievable. So much fun. It's just nonstop laughter with John McGinnis. I told you if you didn't know him, you're going to love him. And now you do know him and you should love him because he's the best. Speaking of the dry heave, he comes out there. He and Katrick were doing their radio show prior to right when we started the thing. So like, hey, kind of drag this thing past us. And if we if we can finish before, we'll go out there and hit the shot. Well, we were literally on the final group of the day. I thought we, they weren't going to get to it. They hit the 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 you know the winners were set basically you were on the you were in the top three i believe yeah, at the time I was right about to get paid. michael fegels you know all american in college all that stuff corn Ferry tour player he was leading you were up there mccord who hit the ball uh, off a tee <laughs> that like he was seeing off with a driver hit it with like a wedge spun it back in there to two feet god knows somehow mcginnis comes trotting out here last guy okay hold on hold on we still got one more team to go i'm not sure he even knew the distance it was 94 yards maybe you told it to him right before i told him. him i was i was kind of rapping he grabs a pitching wedge pretty damn sure he hit it Full bore. He hadn't done anything except sit for the last couple hours. He grabs a pitching wedge, hits it in there to a foot. Damn near goes in. Somehow I got a wedge to spin back from 94 yards, which I've never really seen before. Almost went in, and the place erupted. There's never been a more popular winner than Johnny McGinnis this year at the dry It was awesome. He shared some great stories. I love the playing with Tiger and Tiger's third event on the PGA Tour, hitting the two iron from 280 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vegas story. Come on. All time. I mean, that... Excuse me, ma'am. I need a 6.30 wake-up call. Sir, it's 6.45. Oh, Tonight? shit. <laughs> guess I, guess I got to get up and get what going. Is, I want to, like, scratch that. I need a shuttle to the golf course immediately. Oh, what a beauty. So much fun. I mean, I agree with you. He's one of those guys, when he walks on the range, like, all the players see him, they just smile. Yeah, dude. He's I mean, one of those guys, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, you're retired, you're done doing what you're doing, I think that's ultimately the way you're judged. Like, when you walk in, are people happy to see you, or they don't care if they see you? John McGinnis walks in the room, any tour player, any media person, whatever, they're all happier. As soon as John, Johnny, what's up? They all want to come and talk to you and sit down with you. And he's, he's just a positive energy guy. And he's really good at his job. He's really good. He's one of those guys that likes to play his, you know, up his role like I'm um, the fun, goofy guy, like drink, have a good time. He's a lot. He's, his memory there's, is there's sneaky. some there's some yeah. substance there. There's some there's some depth there. Well, that was a fun one, no doubt about it. And all he's right. got a great track record against Tiger. He does. One of the greatest, I would say, <laughs> right there with him. All right. Well, it's time to get to FanDuel, the greatest sports book in all the land. Please, we almost hit him again. We have been on a heater with our golf picks. It's going to continue because we do our research. We know what we're talking about. But the golf season is back in full swing, and there is no better way to make every moment more than on FanDuel Sportsbook. Each week, we love looking through all the different markets and finding fun and unique bets like finishing position, matchups, round leaders, and group winners. And don't worry if you missed out on getting your bets in before the tournament starts because FanDuel has live betting options, Sleaze's favorite, all throughout the weekend so you can always make every moment more. And if you win... They even get your winnings in as little as two hours, please. That's right, brother. You can play player props, futures, whatever bet you're looking for. Live betting, like I said, I like to hop on that train all the time. Odds boosts and specials every day. Look for some super big boosts each weekend. I was running extremely hot there for a while. Took a little backseat. I'm, I'm in the NFL now. College is over. I'm back to NFL. Don't have the greatest track record with that. So I've given some back, but we still got games. I'm ready to ramp this thing up and really, really hit these guys. All right, and right now, FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game or golfer, and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back if you don't win your first bet. Seriously, there's no strings attached. Just place any bet you want. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you'll get your entire bet up to $1,000 back in site credit. All right, we are on to the American Express. We're coming off a tough playoff loss with Russell Henley, but we are back. We're going to the desert, three golf courses. Q, uh, past side of Q school, terrifying. Place. Yeah, it's a scary place once you just drive on property. Got one of the there. got one of the best 
the best putting greens you'll probably play in your life. La Quinta Country Club. Mm-hmm. Absolutely beautiful. We got the stadium course, which can be terrifying, but nowadays these guys still torch it. If it's calm, they still kill it. Mm-hmm. However, if there's a little breeze, it's one of the most terrifying things. It, dude, it's TPC Sawgrass finish, basically. You got a par five, you can kind of get 17 uh, island green, which is actually longer than Sawgrass, mm-hmm. and then 18, you got the water all down the left, and it's easy to make a number. Yep, and then you got the Nicholas Tournament course as well. So three courses, then you play um, the stadium the final day. All right, here we go. Let's keep this train rolling, Sleaze. I'm going to give you my favorite, but then I'm going to give you a dark horse because I'm surprised by these odds. Okay, I'm going to give you a favorite. I'm going to give you a medium color horse. I'm going to go with, again, another one of your favorites, a guy you used to have a man crush on. I think y'all broke up. One of the best ball strikers on the planet. If it's calm, I mean, no one hits their numbers more than Sung J.M. And that's what you got to do around this place is iron it to death. He's going off at twenty-one to one. He's one of the like, he's the fourth betting favorite, I believe. But I love Sung Jay. I, I just I, I think these golf courses set up so well for him. Sung Jay and I had a, a very real bromance there for a while. When he first came on the PGA Tour, nobody really knew about him. His betting odds were way down the board, and I've been hearing about him for a while. And I was hammering him every single week. Since then, he's he's gotten more popular. He's getting a little more expensive. So we're just we're taking a timeout right okay. now. Okay. So we can. I'll re- take him for the week. So I we took Russell Henley last week. I'll take. Some What's his odds? 21 to 1. Okay, I'm going to stay around that same number here. Here's a, I'm picking a guy who has a win here, not on the PGA Tour, but on the Jakey Jacks. Back in the day, where I actually went toe-to-toe with him in the final round, Colt, here at the stadium course. Can you Google this? Picked up his win. Uh, don't worry about that. <laughs> it actually is true. He referenced it last year where he came close. He finished fourth last year, 14th the year before. I'm going Tony Finau, 24 to 1. Like the place for him. He likes it out there. Greens are perfect. They're not the trickiest greens in the world, so that putter mm-hmm. can thrive. Uh, he's got, like I said, a really good track record around here. I'm looking for Tony Pina to come out the gates. I like 24 that. to one. He's, he's played well here. Another guy that's played extremely well here. And I'm surprised by his odds. I get, I mean, he hasn't played yet in 2022. I played with him recently over at the twin fin one day. Game's looking really, really solid, but his track record around here is crazy. He's got a T2, two T3s. He finished tied for 32nd last year, which was a bad week for him. I played with him when he shot 59 at La Quinta Country Club. Adam Hadwin is 75-1. to 1. So if you want to make some cash, maybe sprinkle a little bit there on Hadwin. He's looking to rebound after hitting it in the soup, I believe, at the drive. Oh, we got him. We got him. We got him. We won't be out there, but 17, it's a little longer than 94 yards this year. But, uh, yeah, he's he's had a hell of a run. You got to witness that 5-9 that he threw on the board, even though the scorer tried to jinx him on that deal. No, not the score. His amateur partner. Oh, his amateur partner. That's what it was. Hey, you're throwing a no-hitter. Yeah, got it, bud. Thank you for that. All right. This is my medium colored horse right here. This is strictly based on social media. So I've been watching on social media. Matthew Wolf been putting in some sessions with Gankus leading up to this okay. week. It looks good. I love what I'm seeing. It's close to the home game from where he grew up. It's just right down the road. You know he's comfortable in Southern California. He's going up at 31 to 1. And I think Wolf's the kind of guy when it gets going, man, if there's not a lot of elements out there, wind, anything, like he gets hot, he can go crazy hot. So I think. You know, just the, with his level of offense that he can get, if it's calm out there and the scores are low, like they probably will be, I'm going. I think Matt Wolf's worth a run at 31 to one. All right, well there it is. Get your bets in with FanDuel Sportsbook and make some cash. That's going to do it for us. Another very special guest next week. Another fun one. We got Rich Beam in the house. Stay tuned for that. Everyone have a great week, and we'll talk to you on next week's Golf Subpar. So